Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. That's good. Things Jesus Never Said. And today is actually our final episode of Things That Jesus Never Said. Final episode, I hope you've got some amazing thoughts and and ideas and really practical stuff through the series because it is important to understand who we are in Christ, right? If we understand who we are, we understand whose we are, and we are empowered to live a life that God has called us to live. So today, the message I have for you is entitled, Things That Jesus Said, You Get What You Deserve. You get what you deserve. Things that Jesus did not say, right? And we're going to explore that in depth, but I'm going to share with you some things again that Jesus did not say as we start the series. Jesus did not say this, blessed are those wonderful outfits you wear because yours is the kingdom of God. (laughs) One great outfits, but that's not what Jesus said. Another one is, as often as you gather together and have a huge feast and get drunk, remembrance, remember me. Jesus never said that. Jesus never said this either. Come follow me and no one will fight in the car on the way to church. (laughs) Things that Jesus did not say. You know, a lot of times in life, we've made decisions, we've said things, we've engaged in conversations or even in a promise that might not have eventuated. And we are left feeling a little bit guilty, right? Because maybe we did something wrong when we shouldn't have, and that brought us a little bit of guilt. Maybe we said something to someone, we should not have said that, and it's brought us a little bit of guilt. Maybe we've gone to a place we should not have gone, and that brought us some guilt. And on the reverse, maybe we should have said something to someone, and we didn't, and that brought us some pain. Maybe you should have told your wife that you love her, and brought us some flowers when it was a birthday and you forgot. <laughs> Maybe you should have said something. Maybe you should have shown up to a birthday party. Maybe you should have gone somewhere that you're supposed to have and you didn't. And that feels a little bit guilty, right? And do you think that a person on the other side would have said, you know what, you didn't show up to my birthday party. I'm not showing up to yours because that's what you deserve. You didn't give me a birthday gift. Well, I'm not giving it to you because that's what you deserve. You didn't do it. Right? And all of us have felt this situation because we've all gone through scenarios. Maybe we've, we've done things for people or said things to people or haven't done things to people and found ourselves in this place of guilt. And so generally we feel this general point of guilt because sometimes we don't want to let people down, right? We've maybe extended ourselves and extended a promise and said, I'll be there. And we couldn't commit to being there because something else came along the way and we got caught up in a situation and then we feel like we've let someone down and we feel guilty there. Maybe you're the type of person that loves to please people, and you can't say no, and you said, yes, I'll do this, and yes, I'll do that, and yes, I'll do that, and you've committed to so much stuff that you can't possibly get all of it done. And because you can't get it done, you feel guilty. A lot of us put ourselves in different scenarios. And, you know, we we kind of live in a culture, we kind of live in a world where we honestly believe that you get what you deserve. Did you know that? Yeah. I remember as a kid, I used to 
be a kind of rambunctious child, my parents would tell you. And, and on our backyard, we used to live at our grandmother's house, on our backyard, they built a, a cement wall. On the top of the wall, they had broken water bottles and put on the wall. Just That's their old age security. Some of you are familiar with this, right? That's how it is. There's no barbed wire. There's broken bottles. So if you jump over, you're going to catch yourself. But guess what I used to do? I used to run across the wall <laughs> in my bare feet because that was what I loved to do. <laughs> and my parents would be like, don't do that. But the more they said it, the more I'd run across the wall. Right? And thank God nothing actually happened. But imagine, I, just, I think now as an adult, and I think if I had made one misstep, there would have been serious repercussions. <laughs> I think if I had fallen and landed on the wrong place, some members or some parts of my body won't exist anymore. <laughs> and it's like, that's crazy stuff. But I remember as a kid, when I did something and they told me not to do it, and if something bad happened, they said, serves you right. Right? Do you remember that? Yeah. Serves you right. Because that's what it means. You get what you deserve. We told you not to do it. You went ahead and did it. Well, it serves you right. That's just what it is. Or maybe another saying that we have is, you got your just desserts. Have you heard that? Yeah. What does that mean? It means the exact same thing. You did something you weren't supposed to. We warned you not to do it. You did it anyway. You get what you deserve. Your just desserts. It's interesting that even though... As Christ followers, for the most part, we believe in this concept that you get what you deserve. We have our lives based on it. Our system of justice is based on it, right? Because you commit the crime, then you have to do whatever. You have to pay the price. We teach our children this. We influence them and we tell them, be good, because if you don't do good stuff, you're going to get bad stuff in your life. All of it based on this concept. But here's the, the amazing thing. When we get to Jesus, when we get to his example and his life, we think that maybe Jesus should be on the same wavelength because, you know, Jesus is about justice. Jesus is about doing the right thing. But the reality is that Jesus did not believe in you get what you deserve. He didn't believe that. He didn't teach that. He believed in grace and mercy. He believed that you did not get what you deserved. That's why Jesus went to the cross. Because if you deserved to get what you should have, then you would have to pay the price for what you did. But Jesus did not believe in that concept, so he took upon himself what you should have paid for and paid for it himself. That is why Jesus decided to go to the cross. He wasn't captured and taken there by force, maybe naturally, but he decided to give his life for you and for me because he believed that you should not get what you deserve. How we, and as a majority of our society, still cling to this idea that you get what you deserve, still permeates right through our culture, right through our philosophy, right through our ideology, right through our lifestyle. And to prove that, I'm going to say a few sayings that you probably know, right? And you can finish for me. Here's some. What goes around... See? You know the stuff. Your past will come back to... Haunt you. Yes, yes, you guys are good. 
You make your own bed, you got to lie in it. There you go. If you do the crime, you have to do the time. See, we know this. Why do we know this? Because we believe in this concept. You get what you deserve. All of these things are another way to say you get what you deserve. But see, when Jesus walked this planet and he came to a culture that was, again, permeated with this ideology that you get what you deserve. And Jesus came and he flipped this around because he didn't want people to understand that, you know, you just have to do the time, you have to do the crime. He came to introduce a brand new philosophy. He came to introduce a brand new concept that was radically different to what they were doing at that time. Yeah. And even today, it was radically different. In fact, it was part of the law, the Jewish law, that if you stole your neighbor's calf, well, you'd have to pay the price. If you did something, well, you have to pay the exact same price for it. There was no room for grace. There was no room for forgiveness. There was no room for anyone to get away because you had for what you did. But Jesus came to introduce a new law. It was the law of love. The law of love had different principles and different points to what the law of the land had, right? The law of love was radically unbiased love that does not base itself on circumstance. It bases itself on who God demonstrates himself to be. And so Jesus came as the epitome of love to show us what God's love is really like. Yeah. That you don't have to pay for what you did because all of us would not be sitting in this environment if we had to pay for what we did. Some of us have secret sins. Some of us have secrets in the things that no one knows about, but God does but we still have the freedom to come and encounter his presence because he does not give us what we deserve. See, Jesus begins to talk about his manifesto, his constitution, if you will, of this kingdom that he begins to introduce. And the law of this kingdom is the law of love. And so begins one of the most famous sermons on the mount, the Beatitudes. I love it because it says the beatitude. This is what the attitudes you should have. Be with this attitude, right? And so Matthew documents this. Matthew is one of the followers of Jesus, and, and Jesus introduces this. And if you read the beatitudes in, in Matthew chapter 5, he starts off with all a bunch of things that are completely contrary to. And I'm just going to give you a few points based on what we're talking about today. So this is what Jesus says in Matthew verse 38. He says, you have heard it said. What is he talking about? He's talking about the law of the land. This is, you've heard it. This is not a new concept to you. You've heard it said, an eye for a eye, and a tooth for a tooth. This is what you live as. This is what you believe in. This is the constitution of the land. This is the law of the land. This is how it is. But, I love that little word, but. It's three little letters, but it changes the trajectory of everything. I was once down, but God rescued me. I was once abandoned, but God showed me the way. 
I was once unloved, but I found love. And so he says this here. This is what it is. Eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Is he saying God then gets slapped twice? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying the law says if they slap you, you should slap them. But he's saying if they slap you, don't ask for their cheek so you could slap them. In fact, turn yourself to the other cheek and say you can have a second go. That is what he's saying. He's not saying retaliate in the same way that they did to you. Give it back to them. We teach our kids, that bully in your school, punch you well, show him who's boss. Punch him back. Right? Stand up for yourself. Jesus is saying, don't stand up for yourself. Now this is a hard concept because you're opening yourself up to brutality. Someone could just take advantage of you, right? And you're thinking, but God, aren't you about justice? Aren't you about truth? Aren't you about love? Well, I don't feel loved if I'm going to be brutalized. I don't feel loved if you're telling me that someone punches me, that I should turn around and ask for another one. That doesn't seem right. And Jesus doesn't stop there. He continues on. And he gets to verse 43. He says this again. You have heard it said. Right? Again, this is what they live. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's how they lived. They loved the Jewish people. They hated the Samaritans. They hated everyone that was not them. And it was well within their rights. If someone doesn't love you, you're good and good. We give you a free card. Hate them back. But Jesus says, no, no. I'm flipping the script. I'm changing this because my kingdom, the kingdom of love, doesn't work on the same functions and rules of their kingdom. My kingdom is radically different because the basis and the power of it is love. And so he says, you've heard it said that love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, here's his concept, I tell you, love your enemies. Difficult? Pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the neighbor, righteous and unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? And pagans mean don't believe in God. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Here is the principle that Jesus is trying to communicate. You did not get what you deserved. Why do you demand that other people get what they deserve? He says, if you love the people who love you, how different are you from those that are godless? If you love only the people that come close to you and do good for you, are you different from those people? 
Where, where is the power of love in your life? Where is the love that I demonstrated in your life? Where is the power of transformation in your life? If you just love people that love you. And he says, it's okay according to the law to love the people that love you and hate those that don't love you. But he says, I'm telling you, giving you a new command. Now, you might think the law of love is better, but the law of love demands more than the law of the land. Because the law of love says, if someone gives you a coat, give him two. If someone tells you to walk a mile, this is the same passage he talks about. If someone says, walk a mile, he says, walk two. Pray for those that persecute you. Don't hate them. Go down on your knees and seek your heavenly Father and ask God that he would touch their life. Don't ask God, strike them down because they're doing bad to me. Pray for them. Don't say, eliminate them because they're treating me bad. Pray for them. This is the law of love. And it's not so easy to do, is it? Because we, as I said before, we believe in a concept, you get what you deserve. We believe that if that person hated me, well, God, you're full within your rights, strike them down. Drop, make them drop dead tomorrow. And some of us, we pray this stuff. We do. Because we believe you get what you deserve. But Jesus didn't. So he's saying, you know what? If you got what you deserve, would you be sitting here this morning? If you got what you deserve, would you receive my grace? If you got what, I, what you deserve, would you have received mercy? If you got what you deserve, would you even be living today? So let me ask you this. How do we put this law of love into our life? How do we work it out? Let's ask ourselves the question, who deserves our love? And all of you have people that you've selected in your life, either consciously or unconsciously, that you think deserves your love. And there's a bunch of other people that don't deserve your love. So you're not nice to them. You don't appreciate them. You're not thankful for them. You never prayed a minute in your life for them. What about that annoying neighbor that harasses you, that you wish would just pack up and leave? You don't want them next to you because they're harassing you, they're noisy, they're causing commotion, they park in your driveway when you're not home, they do all bunch of stuff. They park their car on your manicured lawn and you're upset, you're like, this guy needs to go. And I pray him to go out. <laughs> but Jesus says, how do you live out the law of love? Is that what you should do? What about that schoolmate at your college or school or university? that is always harassing you and annoying you, and you know, they're always showing up at inopportune times, they get into your conversation, you're talking to your friend, they just slide in and act like they're part of the conversation, and you're like, who brought you in? <laughs> Go away, we don't like you. What about that person? What about the boss at work who mistreats you? Who doesn't treat you the way you think you deserve to be treated? Who takes advantage of you? Do they deserve your love? 
What about people in our lives, family members, that might not have been there for us the way we expected them to be there? Do they deserve our love? How do we put the law of love practically into our life? Because all of us, we choose who to love and who not to love. But the law of love says, love everyone, even the ones that are not for you, that persecute you, that hate you. And he says, well, if you just love the people that love you, what good is that to you? Do you are you an example of my love? And I love how he concludes this, because this is what he says. And this is, this is the gut punch, right? This is what it says. He says this, And if you greet people, you're only people, the people that greet you, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Right? What is he trying to say? He's saying, well, God in heaven demonstrated true love to you when Jesus came and displayed his affection and care, forgiveness and mercy to you. The cross showed you that God would pay the ultimate price so you don't have to. Now, I want you to turn around and act the same way to the people that did you wrong, that did you bad, that treated you badly, that mistreated you, that did all bunch of things. Treat them the same way that I treated you. Forgive them the way I forgave you because that's who you are now. You are a Christ follower. You need to demonstrate who you are in Christ. And as Christ gave love to others, you need to give love to others because that is how you display God's perfect love. The trouble is we struggle with this concept because our world exists on the concept that you get what you deserve. And Jesus' radical law of transformation states that you don't get what you deserve. Because we didn't. But yet, we want to hold other people to a standard that we want to excuse ourselves from. And so many times, we do this. Christ came near to you and I when we deserved punishment, we deserved rejection, he embraced us, he loved us, and he forgave us. We didn't get what we deserved. We got exactly the opposite of what we deserved. We received grace and mercy for bad deeds and wickedness. Grace, what is grace? Grace is the unmerited favor of God. It means grace was given to you freely. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. There's nothing you could do to purchase it. But God gave it to you based on who he is, not on what you did. God gave it to us based on his righteousness, his standard of love, not based on what we did. Because the reality is that the scripture says that the wages of sin is death. Which means... That what you did, whether it was big or small, there's no levels of sin, you missed the mark, it doesn't matter what it is, you deserve the punishment. We do that in our justice system, in our lives, what we teach our kids. We deserve that. You deserve that. But God's saying, no, you did not get what you should have. I'll give you good for evil. 
I'll give you righteousness for unrighteousness. Paul, who was once redeemed by this precious love of Jesus, makes this amazing statement in Ephesians. He says this, Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. Right? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, so that you can boast. No one can say, I deserve this. I worked for it. No, it was a gift of God. God gave this amazing gift, this amazing mercy to you and I because of who He is, not because of who we are. He is righteousness. He is love. He is forgiveness. And He poured it into our lives even though we did not deserve it. See, Christ's love made us into a brand new person. We were that person. We were in that state. We were in that condition. But Christ came into our life and we had transformation. And we are a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. So therefore, let's live like God has redeemed us. Let's live as one who has experienced love. Let's live like one who has had mercy and in mercy encounters. Because that's what we got. We got amazing things. You know, it's easy to look back into our past and feel guilty for the mistakes we make. It's easy to look past and feel unworthy, like we didn't measure up to God's standard, we didn't measure up to our own life, we didn't measure up to all these things. Maybe we felt unloved by people who should have loved us in our life, friends and family, parents, loved ones. Maybe they should have loved us and they didn't treat us that way. And maybe we feel ashamed for the things we've done. But all of that is in the past, because all our mistakes have been buried in our past when Christ came in and made us a brand new creature. Our past has been washed away. Now we can stand redeemed. Now we can stand proud. Now we can stand in the grace and love of Jesus Christ and say, I am renewed. I am a new creature. I have been born again by Jesus Christ. And therefore, I need to demonstrate. I need to live this life. I need to live the law of love now based on what Christ has done for me. And therefore, I can't and I won't and I should not give to others and treat others the way I expect them to treat me. Even if they treat me bad, I'm going to show them love. Even if they mistrust me and put me down, I'm going to forgive them and pray for them. Even when they treat me in a way that should not be treated, no human being should be treated, I'm not going to despise them. I'm going to bring them before God and ask God to bless them. Because that's who we are. We have been redeemed. So don't say, I am this person. That's who you were. See, all of us have encountered this reality. All of us have encountered this. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you put your faith in Jesus, and you've been redeemed and you've been renewed, you can stand in the place of forgiveness and say, thank you, Lord, because I was that person. I was in that state. But no more, I stand in the place of grace and forgiveness. See, I'm not here because I'm good. I'm here because He is good. We are not here because we are good. We are here because He is good. That's who He is. He's an amazing God of love and forgiveness. Grace more and more poured out into our lives. 
The psalmist looks at this concept even back in the day when Christ had not arrived on the scene yet. He looked with eagle eyes and through the space of time and he began to pen this amazing poetry. And he says this in Psalm 103. He, speaking of God, does not punish us for our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed us from our sins as far as the east is from the west. If you can somehow go and bring the polar opposites of, of our compass back together, we've, God's removed us. As far as, how far is the east from the west? No one knows. You can't touch them. You can either go east or west. But they're not in the same place. They're so far apart. And he says, God has removed us from where we were. So far from our state, our pre-forgiven state. So far, so distant, that we're not even the same person anymore. That's why we can stand and say, I'm redeemed. I stand forgiven. Bad people, evil people, all of them can be forgiven. There's nothing that we have done that is so far gone that God can't forgive us. There's nothing you've done in your life that is so deep that the love of God can't reach down and redeem you. There's nothing so distant that you've gone that God can't reach back there and bring you back. Because the love of God reaches to the vilest place, the most unforgiving place, the place that's so distant that you and I wouldn't forgive. But God's love reaches down there and redeems the unrepented sinner. Even those that don't know who he is, God makes a way so they can encounter him. And when they do receive him, he gives them forgiveness. Amen. God's love reaches across myriad of places. God's love is for those that don't even know Him. And I love what Vanessa said this morning. We're creating a place for those that feel rejected. Those that are far from God. Those that don't even know who He is. Those that might not even see the same way we see. But our love should be a beacon of hope in a dark world. Because Jesus' love went through the darkest of night to redeem you and me. And we did not get what we deserved. Because of His gracious love towards you and me. His love extended. Mercy says we don't get what we deserve. Grace says we get what we don't deserve. Mercy says not getting the punishment you deserve. Grace says getting the blessing and good you don't deserve. And so Jesus never believed in this concept, you get what you deserve. And so for most of us, we need to bring our mind from where we've been taught and brought up in, into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of love, and start looking at our world, at our surroundings, at our circumstances, through the eyes of Christ. And I, I know it's really quiet in here because this message will make you jump up and down and say hallelujah. 
but living the way Jesus wants us to live draws us closer to him and creates us more in his likeness. And that's what God wants us to live, to live like him, to be like him, and to love like him, even when it's difficult and even when it's hard. And you see this on the cross, don't you? When Jesus is up there and they're standing there and they're mocking him, when he's in tremendous pain and heartache and the edge of death, they mocked him and said, if you're so great, why don't you come off the cross? They spat at him, they beat him, they cursed him. But what was his response? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Here is a demonstration of his love. He demonstrated what he taught. He demonstrated what he came for to show us that even in the most painful situations, you can still forgive, you can still love, because it's a love of God in you that's doing the work. If you allow God to work through you, forgive even when it's difficult. Love even when it's hard, because that's what we received. So let's give that to those around us. And you never know how that encounter will bring someone to God's love. I'll leave you with two questions, as we always do. Number one, how can you thank God and show appreciation for His grace and mercy this week? As we've said before, God gave us grace and mercy. Grace is unmerited favor. Mercy is saying, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. How can you demonstrate his love? Maybe you can spend a little bit more time this week in in thanking him, spending a little bit more time in prayer and saying, God, I appreciate what you've done in my life. I thank you that you brought me this far. I thank you that you've done so many things and you still haven't left me. And my, you know, I thank you for what I have, my family, my kids, my job, my possessions, whatever it is. Let's begin to thank him. Let's spend a little time showing some appreciation. Take some time out this week. Maybe read the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. Go through the the passage and just think about how radical Jesus' concept was in a world that believed an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. How amazingly powerful it is to love even when other people don't. And how only love can change. Fire can't put out fire. Only love can put out hate. Hate back will not change anything. Only love will do that. So how can we think about this week? Maybe write it down. Pray about it. Say, God, what can I do this week? Maybe it's coming and serving in his house, you know. That's a shameless plug for Saturday. And I say that again. <laughs> but the truth is, you're coming to serve in his house. You know, you're helping make a space where other people can come and encounter him. Number two, what can you do this week to show someone who you thought doesn't deserve love? Love. Maybe it's that person that mistreated you. Maybe it's that someone that didn't do what they said they would do in your life and you're disappointed with them. Maybe they've hurt you. 
Maybe they've abused you. And that doesn't, I'm not asking you to go and open yourself back up to abuse. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying show them love and move on. You still build boundaries around your heart. If they did it to you before, it doesn't mean you invite them in to step back on your heart. But you can forgive and show love, but don't allow them to come back in and destroy your heart the way they did the first time. Loving someone is okay, even if they hurt you. But that doesn't mean you have them come back and do the same damage they did before. And if you have questions on how to do that, come see me. But how can you show someone love? Maybe you think about the times they did good to you. Maybe you think about the times, or maybe you're not at the place yet to even have a conversation. Maybe all you can do is say, God, help me forgive. And that's good because Jesus said, pray for those that persecute you, right? So maybe at this point, all you can do is just go on your knees and talk to God about it and say, Lord, help me forgive, help me love. And you're not ready to talk to that person yet. That's fine because sometimes forgiveness is a journey. It doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes we can say the words, but our heart is not ready to receive it yet. And that's okay because we need God to work in our heart to get us to the point of forgiveness. But we need to take a first step. And what is that first step that you can do this week for someone that you didn't think deserved your love? So, take some time this week, ponder those two questions, lean into God a little bit more, let Him work in your heart, let Him heal your heart, let Him restore your heart, let Him build you up and make you stronger. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Hello again. And thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.